Hello, my name is Claire Cody and I work on the Our Voices programme of work at the University of Bedfordshire. Today I'm joined by Dr Camille Warrington, who's the lead for young people's participation at the International Centre researching child sexual exploitation, violence and trafficking at the University of Bedfordshire. In this episode, Camille introduces the idea of participatory engagement and explores the different ways engagement can occur and the similar elements or principles that are present in participatory approaches. So welcome, Camille. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Uh, so to kick off then, um, as you know, uh, the Our Voices Research and Practice Network seeks to develop a better understanding of the value and ethics of participatory engagement with young people affected by sexual violence. So could you maybe give us a quick explanation of what participatory engagement is and what it means to you? Um, I suppose the first thing to say is that there's, you know, lots of people will have different understandings and different language to talk about it. And I think that's fine. Um, but for me, there's a couple of key components that link all activities that we talk about in terms of the language of participation or participatory engagement. Um, I think at the, the absolute core for me is a concern with power and relationships of power and trying to challenge some of the traditional relationships of power that characterise our work in this context with young children and young people whether that's the power that we think about in terms of welfare systems between young people using services and young people delivering services, power between politicians and members of society, or in research, the power to um, go out and develop knowledge and put it out there as some kind of um, truth or learning and versus the power, um, those who don't, don't have the power to do that power to tell somebody's story um or power to say your own story so that that for me is like at the absolute heart of it mm -hmm. i think in terms of um defining participation children young people's participation i definitely um think the un convention on the rights of the child is a helpful place to start yeah um and particularly article 12 which talks about children and young people's right to be involved in decisions um, that are made um, that concern aspects of their lives or the communities in which they live mm -hmm. uh, and I guess that's another thing that I come back to it is about children and people's involvement in decision making mm. and I think um, more than that it's about um, children young pe people's opportunities to influence change through that involvement in decision making that doesn't mean that they are necessarily always leading or making decisions, but that their views and perspectives inform the decisions that get made that affect their lives. And I think that's, um, that's true when we're thinking about individual children and young people, um, decisions about their care and protection, but also when we think about children and young people as a broader community, so at a kind of societal level. Um, so I, th I think they're kind of key things for me, thinking about power, thinking about children's involvement, decision-making, but also about more than just decision-making and, and being heard. And actually, is there evidence that children and people have influenced change? Because, because if they haven't, being heard isn't enough just on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I suppose, the, yeah, the other, the other thing I guess I'd, I'd, I'd say is there's no, there's no perfect ideal of participation either. Um, there's a spectrum of activities, a spectrum of different levels of involvement and influence that children and people have. 
and that will be appropriate at different times and for different activities. Yeah, that's great. And so in terms of that, the fact that there is this spectrum of activities, do you think that when we think about participatory engagement, it's more about how you do something rather than what you do? So it doesn't necessarily matter what the activity is, but it's the process that surrounds that. I think that's a really that's a really interesting question, and I think it's probably a um, one that I probably think about. I don't know if I've got a definite answer for. I think absolutely, process is really, really key. Um, it is definitely about it's about relationships, working relationships, mm-hmm. of how we organise activities to support participatory engagement whether our organizations support cultures of participation so there's a lot there's a lot in there about how um how we do things how we communicate Mm -hmm. how we reflect on our own power as professionals or adults and and whether we're willing to let go of some of that power so i think there's a lot about process um in terms of what you do i think that they're tied up they're obviously tied up with each other aren't they and it's maybe hard to think about that question without specific examples but I think I have also learned that although process the process is really important sometimes what comes out of that process can be and what you're aiming for can be equally important and often children and young people that I've worked with um have felt the most or have told me fed back that they felt the most powerful when they've seen the kind of products and outputs of their work, whether that's a campaign, it's a change in um, somebody listening to them and taking notice and changing policy, whether it's an output of film that's been produced. And so I think, I think it's important to recognize that kind of both the products of participatory engagement and the process can be equally important. And there's not always a clear line between them. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think there's a lot of work around kind of empowerment theory talking about whether empowerment is a process or whether it's an outcome of that process. So I guess what you're saying is it can be both in terms of um, working. Yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose I suppose if you don't have a process that's um, appropriate and thinks and reflects on how you use power and how you um, share power or support people to to access a sense of um, influence and control, then then in some ways, yeah, you're, you're starting with nothing. So process is, is absolutely um, fundamental, mm. I suppose. Um, but I suppose, I, I, yeah, exactly as you say, it's acknowledging that what comes out of those processes and what you're aiming for um, and what you do with those processes and produce can also have its own... Its own um, influence and Mm. impact on individuals too Mm, great okay so thanks for that you've talked a little bit obviously about the power and decision making and communication and and the process would you say that there are other principles or elements that need to be in place to make an approach participatory are there some kind of key ingredients that you need to that need to be present um things that spring to mind to for me are um, something about reflective practice mm-hmm. um, and again that's whoever whoever you are whether you're a researcher or a community activist or a youth worker there's something about recognizing there is no formula to get this right there's no kind of 
tick list that says this is participatory, this isn't participatory. Activities can be participatory in a moment and change from one moment to the next. So, mm. so that's why I think it is so important that we just create cultures of reflective practice so that we're working alongside, whether we're working alongside young people and other professionals, parents, other stakeholders, we're engaged in a kind of constant dialogue about what's working, what isn't working, how things work differently for different stakeholders. Um, and that's, for me, it's one of the joys of this work. It's a constantly learning process. So I think that is the key, one of the key ingredients. I think linked to that is something around transparency. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I've probably learned this the hard way, actually. <laughs> often I've kind of gone in really idealistically and told people, labelled the work that we're doing as participatory, told young people that they will have influence and we will listen to them and those intentions are real and those commitments on my part have felt very real but what I haven't taken into account is the wider context that we're working in and the wider limitations and challenges and the fact that we have funders or Mm. other stakeholders who have their own ownership and power over what we're involved in and that limits that limits the decision making the influence that we can share with young people and so for me that's been a real lesson and now one of the things I always try um, and make part of the work that I do at the outset is some sort of trying to be transparent and map map the relationships involved in the work and map the the ownership and the responsibilities and power so that that participants recognize that they're often just one part of a bigger more complex process and and that those things impact on their influence and change and sometimes that transparency is not just about managing expectations it's also about supporting children and young people to recognize okay well here's an opportunity for me to influence or here's where we want to campaign or here's where we want people to hear us Mm. Um, so I think that's that reflection and transparency seem to me to be really um, key components and and I think something just around recognizing diversity and that different stakeholders children and people are all individuals different individual needs what makes something accessible to some will be different for others um and particularly when we're working in kind of groups whether they're face-to-face or virtual recognizing that diversity of need and being able to kind of respond flexibly to it mm-hmm. and i guess that's another thing around flexibility um is something something that needs to be in place Great. Thank you for those insights. They're really helpful in thinking about some of the uh, the wider context, particularly in terms of what we need to think about and, and not be too, not that there's anything wrong with being too idealistic, but being aware of those kind of different powers that are operating in those spaces. So what are some of the things that researchers or practitioners need to think about when taking a participatory approach to working with young people affected by sexual violence? I I think that lots of the issues that we have to think about aren't specific to working with young people affected by sexual violence. They may be the same as working with other marginalised or stigmatised groups or or even broader um, communities. But there are some things I think it's good for us to take into account. Specifically, I think it's important that we come to this work with some sort of understanding of the impact of sexual violence both on individuals and at a wider societal level. Mm-hmm. I think that's particularly important if some of the stakeholders we're working with 
and trying to kind of foster participatory engagement with have themselves been at risk of or affected by these issues. And, and I think the biggest issue that springs to mind around that is about um, anonymity and stigma mm -hmm. and, and how young people want to or it's appropriate to represent them and their involvement. And so I think we have to think very, very carefully. We still live in a society where sexual violence is a very stigmatizing um, experience mm -hmm. and and also a very difficult experience to talk about um we know that some people choose to and find it um, helpful to talk publicly about their own or others experiences whereas for others that can feel very not only difficult but also potentially damaging so it's just being mindful of those things i think as with other things it's about recognizing different young people's individual needs and supporting young people to make really informed choices about how they want themselves and their contributions to be represented mm -hmm. in the work that that we do um and there's different ways there's different ways of, of dealing with that um but i think it's just a kind of recognition that um that this is a very it's a very sensitive issue um the impact of sexual violence is diverse but for many children, young people will um, be aligned to um, impacts associated with trauma. Mm -hmm. And that having an understanding of that is really helpful um, and important, I think, in terms of making sure the work is safe. I think it, it's also about thinking about those things when we bring, not necessarily when we're thinking about public representation, but we bring groups of young people together. And I'm a massive um, advocate of group work and think it can be done safely and appropriately around this issue. However, that's not to say that we shouldn't do it with some sort of awareness mm -hmm. of, um, of the impact of being in a group, the impact of potentially sharing personal information in that group. Um, and that groups can be enormous forces for kind of positiveness, developing um, a sense of self-efficacy, the sense that you can create change, enormous source of support, and I think there's a really important role for them, but it's not to say that we should go in there um, without an awareness that there are also risks to individuals and group dynamics can, can, be, um, can be difficult as well and problematic as well as help, helpful mm -hmm. and healthy. I think um, there's, there's just, there's, this, there's a broader issue um, which links to all the things we're talking about, which is around kind of safety. Um, and some of that's about thinking about physical safety, you know, for depending on what we're talking about. Um, there may be issues around where groups are held, the spaces in which they're held, how young people travel to those spaces, who knows about their involvement and all those things we need to think about in terms of physical safety. Um, but also um, kind of young people's emotional well-being and their their psychological safety as well mm -hmm. and thinking about whether the activities that we do may re-trigger difficult memories those sorts of things so so I think it is about starting from a kind of understanding and then and then thinking these things through and and if we're not experts in that that's fine but there are people we can go out and talk to um, and ask for support and help and advice from and I think we should never be too um, proud or overconfident to do that mm -hmm. um, because and I think particularly if we're working with a group or a context that we haven't worked before that's really really important yeah
Great. Well, thank you very much, Camille, for your time today and for your insights. It's been really lovely listening to um, all your experiences and, and sharing some of your thoughts on this. Uh, future podcasts will go into more details about some of the issues that you've raised. And um, so hopefully we'll be um, developing our insights into those areas um, in future episodes. So thank you again, Camille. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks.